Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we have a short video we'd like to show you. And this video is just how great God is. As you watch this video, just think about the greatness and the bigness of God. And before we show the video, I just felt the Lord tugging at my heart for one thing I'd like to share with you. And that is, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, as Pastor John shared, the Lord called us to Botswana. The Lord is still in the business of calling people. He's still in the business of calling missionaries. He's still in the business of calling us. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you, whether you are young or whether you are old, that God is still calling to position yourself, to quiet yourself, to hear what is God calling me to do? Is he calling me to do something here or is he calling me to go far? But it's an honor and a privilege to serve the Lord. And you know, oftentimes, unless we put ourselves in a position before God, he may not reveal himself, but as we take that position, as we, as we answer the call, is when the Lord is going to step forward and stretch forth his hand Amen. to do signs and wonders, to stretch forth his hand to heal and to make whole, to stretch forth his hand to save and to deliver. Amen. Amen. Blessings to you. You want to do the video? This has some volume to it. If you could turn it up. With COVID, we were we were limited in size of our meetings to only 50 people, and a few of our programs were shut down. But still, the Lord did wonderful things something you might see in Botswana, donkeys going down the road. Dimelan, that means greetings in my language, Botswana. My name is Naledi Kimudimu, and I want to take a few minutes to share with you the work uh, of the missions in Southern Africa, especially in my country, Botswana. Botswana may be known for its wildlife and minerals, yet what might not be known about my country is the need for the gospel. We've seen in my country people worshipping the dead and doing some customs like purging and bleeding. So since we've seen missions, or since the missions have come into my country, they've been able to share with people the true gospel. They've been able to impact people's lives, even going to different villages to try to, try to help people to come out of these customs. And this work is very evident because people's lives have been changed. That simply means be greeted in the name of Jesus. We are in Damuchishna village. This is one of the villages that the missions work was able to reach and uh, come and impact people from this village. We've seen a lot of changes and here we are standing in the plot where they've started their development. Each of our churches now has a piece of land that we're beginning to build our churches on, except for the church in town. down a dirt road about 25 miles to get there. The headmaster and the deputy head are church members. 
Weddings were hindered during the, the COVID, but this is one that we had during uh, COVID, time of celebration. Here's another piece of land that we've just started developing for our church sites. So we've started churches in five different areas, plus we oversee some other churches as well. Operations is to help those in need. In the last four months, by working with Pastors Fellowship and Village Churches, we have distributed clothing to over 1,300 people in 13 villages. In the months ahead, we will continue to provide for many more families. We were able to continue our leadership development in our Bible school. The vision for Children of Promise Orphan Center was birthed in the hearts of the missionaries as they experienced the tragic plight that many of the orphans here in my country experience. They believe that the love, the care, and the spiritual influence that the children experience will be life-changing. God has shown them that some of these children will grow to be as arrows in his hand for the furtherance of his kingdom. May God be glorified. We do ask that you pray with us. We, we need house parents to take care of the children, nationals. So we're asking churches to be praying with us. This is our farm as we were looking towards long-term sustainability for our ministry. We have 110 acres. We've started planting crops this year. Praise the Lord. We also have a goat herd. We put in two wells this year. Praise the Lord. We want to thank you for praying for us and uh, for this church's part in our work there. Praise the Lord. You are our number one supporting church, and we thank God for you. Praise the Lord. I do want to give a short testimony. We were putting in uh, the irrigation lines this year, and we had a, uh, someone that had a tractor in our church, a, a larger tractor. He had a plan of laying down the line for us. It was about 500 meters long. And we had received a call from the power company about a month before. We have some power lines that go through our property. And they said they wanted to come and clear underneath the power line, something they haven't done in you know, many, many years. And so as the tractor went out to dig you know, these trenches for us, 
uh, they had some problems and the equipment didn't work. And lo and behold, the power company was on our property at the very same time that very day and uh, with a backhoe. And Mary walked over to them and said, would you be willing to dig this trench for us? And they said, yes, we will. Just give us $50 for the diesel and we'll take care of this for you. Praise God. Getting a backhoe in Botswana is not something easy to do, but God had arranged it for us on the very day that we needed it. They were right there. So we we just thank God that he's involved in what we're doing. Uh, COVID has hindered some of our work, so we have thrown ourselves into other aspects of of the work of God this year. And we're believing God this thing will soon be over and we can begin outreaches again. Praise the Lord. Let's pray and see where the Lord brings us this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We pray that you'd give us grace, Lord, to hear and grace to communicate your word. Lord, may everything that's done glorify your son, Jesus, and magnify him in our lives. And for every good thing that he does, we'll give him all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you, if you have a Bible, to turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 7. The Lord was revealing what he had planned for the children of Israel. And this is what he told Moses in chapter 7. He said, but Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgment. Now, it's very interesting to me as I was reading this that God referred to his people as his army. He said, I'm not just bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, I'm bringing my army out of Egypt. Hallelujah. And one of the things that we must recognize as part of our calling in our lives is we are not just called to be the children of God, we are called to be the army of God. Hallelujah. And it is an army that is meant for victory. Hallelujah. It is not a defeatist army. And one of the things that's so important in an army is morale. Hallelujah. An army must believe that they have the ability and they have the proper equipment and that they can conquer and overcome. Hallelujah. And so we as the children of God, we need to recognize that we are also part of the army of God. And that when God chose us and God called us, He called us so that he could have an army. Hallelujah. And we'll never really be fulfilled in our lives unless we also take up that calling in our life, which is to be part of the army of God. Hallelujah. Some of us will always sense that there's something missing in our lives because we have taken on the calling of maybe being a child of God, but we have not embraced the calling as being the army of God. But hallelujah. Hallelujah. The world needs us to take on our calling as the army of God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask if you would to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1.
First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, through the purpose of God. That word will has the idea of the purpose of God. And all of our callings, including our calling to be in the army of God, is according to God's purpose or God's will. And Paul said, I understand that I've been called according to the purpose of God. And Paul answered the call for his life because he understood that it was part of God's purposeful plan. You have a calling on your life. You have a destiny to fulfill in God. And that is part of God's purpose and part of God's plan in the earth. Paul understood this. He embraced it. He took on even the sufferings that he would encounter as part of his calling because he understood he was part of God's purpose and part of God's plan. Hallelujah. And you and I are not just simply meant to survive. We are meant to overcome. Hallelujah. No army is, has as its basis simply survival. We are created to win. Hallelujah. And so God needs us to understand that we have a purpose according to the will of God for our lives. Hallelujah. Now it's very interesting that when Paul references this, he says Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle, a sent one. Apostle was also a military term, and I didn't realize that for many years. That an apostle was like an admiral that would go out on a ship and... And basically what his job was to do was to advance the kingdom. And so he would embody the kingdom in himself and bring the new kingdom laws and kingdom ways to a new area. Hallelujah. And so Paul said, you know, I'm, I'm called, this is my calling, is to establish the kingdom of God. And it was a military kind of title as well. And so he says, I've been called as an apostle of Jesus the anointed one. Hallelujah. Thank God that we're sent by Jesus, the anointed one, not just Jesus. But he's still anointed, and this is who we're part of. Hallelujah. Christ. And he says, through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. Now, it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul understood how to lay hold of the strength of the church. Praise the Lord. Now let me give you a little background of what happened in Corinth, because I think this will help us a bit. Is that during the early ministry in the city of Corinth, which was a very immoral place, far more immoral than anything that I think we have an opportunity to look at today, thank God. And, and basically the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, you know, began to transform this community. Hallelujah. But the Apostle Paul did not do it by himself. In fact, early on in his ministry in Corinth, he found that there was deep-seated resistance. And so the Bible tells us, or we know from biblical history, that what the Apostle Paul did is he sent a message to the Thessalonians. And he asked them to begin to pray for him in his ministry in Corinth. And they begin to pray. And things begin to change. Hallelujah. 
And Paul found himself moving from the synagogue, moving on to the Gentiles, and things begin to happen. Part of his ministry while he was there, and one of the things that he asked the Thessalonians to pray for, was that he would be delivered from evil men. Well, what happened in Corinth was that eventually they took Paul for trial. They wanted to charge him and to basically kill him. And they brought him to trial. And there was one ringleader of this trial. And his name was Sosthenes. And so as they got there and they begin the trial, the Bible says the judge turned and said, no, we're not going to hear this matter. And the crowd turned and they begin to beat Sosthenes. But by the time the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, something had happened to Sosthenes. He was no longer an enemy of the gospel. Paul said, I'm writing to you to let you know. Remember that brother who used to be against us? He was not our brother, but right now he is our brother. Hallelujah. And what we must recognize is that when people begin to pray, hallelujah, things can begin to change. Even the enemies of the gospel can become our brothers in the future. So that one day we can say, this is the person that used to resist us. This is now a child of God. Hallelujah. And when Paul wrote, he said, here I am and I'm writing to you. And I'm writing to you and Sosthenes, he's with me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now I want to ask you to turn with me in your Bible to the book of 1 John. I'm still trying to find my way this morning. Praise the Lord. 1 John chapter 5. Now, one of the things that we need to recognize about the Apostle John is that he wrote his books at near the end of his life. So he had seen the church for about 50 or 60 years. And so he had seen a lot of things go by. And, and John's writings actually, I believe, helped to fill in some of the gaps that John could see that the church needed. Because there was some information out there. But as John looked at the churches, he recognized that there were some key issues which he must go over to help the church to fill in the gaps. Because these would be the last writings of the scripture. Hallelujah. So in, in 1 John chapter 5, I want to talk a little bit about the subject of prayer. He says in verse 14, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the confidence that we have. This is when we're talking about prayer, God wants us to be confident. He says, this is the confidence that we have in him. Hallelujah. We're confident about God that if we ask anything according to his will, his purpose, his desires, he hears us. And I recognize about my own prayer life for many years that I was not confident that I was being heard. I don't know if you've ever been there. But there have been many times when I prayed about things, but I had no confidence that I was hurt. In fact, I tried to get on other people's prayer list that maybe he would hear them. 
And there are millions of believers who are always calling out, not because they're calling out in faith like the Apostle Paul did when he asked people to be praying, but they're calling out just hoping that God will hear. And this is what it says. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Hallelujah. I believe that in a sense, God has selective hearing. I mean, he always hears us, right? But he really hears us when we ask according to his will. Verse 15, please. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Now notice what it says. It says, and if we know he hears us. Not simply if he hears us, we have the petitions we've asked of him. But if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. Hallelujah. So one of the things that we have to do is to find out, to, be, to get ourselves in a position where we understand and we know the will of God. So that when we pray, we have a confidence that we know that God is going to hear us. And if God hears us and we know that he hears us, then we have the requests made of him. Then we know we have the requests made of him. Hallelujah. We know it. And so we face life differently because we know that we have the requests made of him. We're no longer anxious. We're no longer worried. We're no longer despondent. Why? Because we know we have been heard and we know we have the request made of him. Hallelujah. We're, we're talking about the arena of faith, right? How do we know that he heard us? Not because an answer has come. We know that he heard us because we've asked according to his will. We're not checking to find out if he heard us based on what changes we can see. We have a confidence in him. Hallelujah. Our confidence is based on knowing the will of God. And knowing him. And knowing that if he has heard us, his answer is yes. Hallelujah. Then we know that we have the petitions asked of him. Hallelujah. All right, now let's turn over to the book of Mark 11. We're going to take a little bit of a detour. I just want to show you something here. Praise the Lord. There are many times that I spent hours praying about things, but had no confidence in him. Still wondering if I had the request made of him. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that there should be this confidence about our lives. Hallelujah. We face life differently because we serve a God that's alive. A God who's able to do the impossible. Hallelujah. And so we ask and we say, you know what? I know I've been heard. And since I know I've been heard, I have what I've asked for. Hallelujah. I don't have to make other plans. I don't have to, you know, set everything up in place to take care of if God doesn't do it. No, that's off the table. I know that he's heard me. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be nice? And if, since I know it, I will have the request made of him. I don't have to have contingency plans. The only contingency plan I have is if God tells me, set this contingency up. 
But otherwise, there's a rest for the believer. Because we know we have the request made of him. Hallelujah. This is the story in Mark chapter 11. Where Jesus has, towards the very end of his life, he has walked through his city and you know, he's on his way to, to Jerusalem, I believe. And he's come upon a fig tree and it's not, you know, he, he's hoping that it has fruit on it because it has leaves. And he goes up and he finds that there's no figs on it. You remember the story? And so he, he ends up cursing the fig tree. Now that had to look very odd, don't you think? I mean, imagine if you were following your leader and he's talking to plants. You know, he's not talking to them like, you know, many people talk to plants nowadays. He's cursing a tree, right? And they leave and they go into town. And when they come back the next day, Peter says, look, Lord, the tree that you cursed has withered. And then Jesus goes into an explanation about what has transpired. Now, in the story, there's a time frame from the time that Jesus curses it to the time that it actually withers. There's a period of time. That's why the apostles are so surprised when they come back the next day and they say, the tree which you cursed has now withered. You with me? In other words, it didn't wither immediately to the eyes. And so Jesus begins to explain and he says, he answered and said to them, have faith in God. Hallelujah. Now, that word in is actually also able to be translated of. What, Pe- what Jesus is saying to Peter is, have the faith of God. Hallelujah. Now, the word faith means to have a confidence, to have an assurance, to be persuaded. And so Pe- Jesus is saying to Peter, have the assurance of God. Have the confidence of God. Have the persuasion of God. Hallelujah. So he's saying, God doesn't want you just to have himself in his life. He wants you to have his faith in your life. His confidence in your life. His assurance in your life. So that you face life differently than everyone else. Hallelujah. And the way that God gives you his faith is by giving you his word. He likens his word to being like seed, which is being sown in your life. Hallelujah. It's his way of creating himself in you. He's sowing it into your life. Some scriptures talk about it as being the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul, your your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know, I knew a a man in, in Botswana, actually in Zimbabwe, uh, lemon trees go very well in our climate. In fact, we've got some in our yard. They're, you know, they've been prolific over the years. And he found out, you know, a lemon tree, you know, could, you know, really be good. But what he would do is he would take an orange tree and graft it into the lemon tree. And so what it would do is it would produce, you know, fantastic oranges. And so that engrafted tree would actually take over and change the character of the lemon tree to being an orange tree. Hallelujah. And what God is saying is, I want to give you my word. I want to make it part of your life so that what comes out of you doesn't resemble who you used to be. It now resembles me. Hallelujah. 
And you begin to produce a different kind of fruit in your life. And that kind of fruit saves your soul. It saves your emotions. It saves your thought life. It removes fear. Hallelujah. Because God is putting his word into you and it's becoming part of you. And it's changing who you are. Hallelujah. And so maybe life used to be sour, but it's not sour anymore. Because an engrafted word has entered your life. Hallelujah. And it's even able to utilize what was there and change it to something else. Hallelujah. So have faith or have the faith of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? When it came to sickness, to have the confidence of God. Hallelujah. When it came to finances, to have the confidence of God. When it came to any area of our life, to have this kind of assurance in our life. So that we don't have to worry about things. Hallelujah. God gives us his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, right? And this is what overcomes the world, even our faith. What does that mean? Faith is born of God. Faith is the offspring of God's seed. Have faith of God. Have the faith of God. Go ahead. Verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed in cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes those things which he says will be done he will have whatever he says now notice that last part he will have whatever he says verse 24 therefore I say to you whatever things you ask when you pray believe you receive them and you will have them notice in verse 23 and verse 24 both of them are talking about and you will have them and you will have them He says, now I want to explain having the faith of God. How does the faith of God work? He says, the faith of God, when you have the faith of God, there are some things that you will have. And you will have. You with me? Because Jesus is explaining what the faith of God is like, right? You curse the fig tree, and the next day, after a period of time, guess what? The fig tree is dead. You will have that. Okay, let's go back to verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Now there's some wonderful truths right there, right? He's saying this is going to work for whosoever. When you have the faith of God, this is not just for me. This is not just for the apostles. This is for everybody. Hallelujah. Whoever says to this mountain, now having the faith of God requires speaking. Having the faith of God is tied to your mouth. Hallelujah. If you have the faith of God, then you're talking. And you're not talking about your mountain, you're talking to your mountain. Hallelujah. You're not magnifying the mountain, you're removing the mountain. And Jesus is saying, you know, I gave you an illustration. I started with a tree, but maybe your problem seems bigger than a tree. Maybe it's like a mountain. You still can move it. Hallelujah. And this will work for whoever. But they got to say something. 
Say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. The word doubt is the word differ. So what he's saying is there has to be an agreement between your heart and your mouth. It is not enough for it to come out of your mouth. That won't save you. That won't move the mountain. But if what you believe is in your heart and it comes out of your mouth and there's no difference, no conflict, you believe it and you say it and you tell that mountain to move, it will move. Hallelujah. Don't differ in your heart, but believes those things he says will be done, will be done. Right? You're talking to the mountain and you're believing what? That the mountain is going to move. You believe. That's the same. It's a, it's, a, it's a verb form of having a confidence. Having an assurance. So when you say to that mountain, you have, when you say to it, move, there's a confidence inside of you. Hallelujah. That says, I know this thing is going to move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have moved it by faith. I have cursed it by faith. I have ended it being an obstacle in my life by faith. But believes those things he says will be done? What will happen? He will have whatever he says. Now in verse 23 and 24, you're dealing with a period or a lapse of time. And this is very important to understand. Because when you speak to the mountain... Sometimes it takes a little time for it to move. So what do you do in the time between you speak it and it moves? Well, you have an assurance. Hallelujah. You have a confidence. But many times I know from my own life, there have been times when I've spoken and then I've checked. Has the mountain moved? And that's not having the faith of God. Hallelujah. The faith of God is able to look at the mountain and say, I spoke to you. That is the end of you. Hallelujah. And the end of you will manifest itself in the end of you. I will have what I said because I said it in faith. Now, it's very important that you that we understand the value of our mouth. Hallelujah. In Isaiah chapter 57, I think it is, he says, I create the fruit of your lips. Hallelujah. You know when God created everything? And then he said, you know, I need you to understand something. I also create what comes out of your mouth. I have put it in you. I've made you in my image. And so your words matter. You will eat the fruit of your lips. That's what the Bible says. You are sowing seeds into your life by how you're talking. Praise the Lord. So we can also sow wonderful things into our life, can't we? By linking our mouth up with the Lord, we can begin to have a different experience in our life. Satan wants control of our mouth. James tells us that the tongue is set on fire by hell. You know what that means? 
I believe kind of what it means is that hell reaches up for a certain part of you. And guess what its number one target is? Your mouth. Because it understands that if it gets your mouth, it has control of where you're going in your life. Remember, he, he likens it, you know, a tongue is like, you know, putting a, a bit in a horse's mouth or a rudder on a ship, right? And he says, the ship is not determined, its direction is not determined by the strong winds. It's that sm very small rudder. In each example, the horse and the rudder, you're, you're dealing with a mode of transport, a ship. In other words, when you get on a horse, you say, I want to go there. When you get in the boat, you say, I want to go there. And he says, the thing that's important is not the strength of the horse or the ship or the storm. It's the small rudder in the midst of it. It's the bit in its mouth. And if God can get control of our mouth, hallelujah, then he can take us on a journey, hallelujah, and he can bring us from our purpose to our destiny. He can take us from where we are to where we want to go if he can get control of our mouth. And that's why even with Joshua, he said to him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He said, Joshua, I'm going to be with you, but that's not the answer. That's not the complete and total package because I can be with you and you still lose. But if I can get my word in your mouth, hallelujah. If I can get you talking like I'm talking and thinking like I'm thinking, Joshua, you're going to have the victories that I want you to have. Hallelujah. Get that word in our mouth. You know, it's very dangerous in the days that we live because some people are becoming disconnected from the word of God. Some of us, we need to open it up during the week. Hallelujah. And we need to feed on the word of God and we need to plant it in our lives and we need to get it in our mouths so that we can have a different experience in our lives. And it doesn't matter how strong the wind is blowing. That doesn't control you. Hallelujah. You can go somewhere else. You can accomplish something else. When you link your mouth with God's word. And when you come across an obstacle and say, you will move. Hallelujah. You'll move. Move in Jesus' name. And Jesus, he does not lie. Hallelujah, right? He says, this will work for whosoever. And he says, if you believe this and you say it, Jesus, who could never lie, tells us that mountain will move. Hallelujah. You don't need a crew to move it. He'll move it. Hallelujah. Verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, what things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now that word pray can also be translated, I believe this is right, Pastor John, it can also mean the word demand. Whatever you ask for when you pray, or whatever you demand when you pray, or whatever you, you demand, believe that you have received and you will have. Saying and praying... Hallelujah. And again, it's you're praying and then you believe that it's yours. And guess what? And then you'll have. Not guess what. Know what? You'll have. 
Again, the idea is dealing with the time frame of believing that it's yours, going through the time frame with a confidence, and then it being yours. Are you with me this morning? Praying, and then it's yours. You have received it. You have seized it. You have taken it. It has become yours. How do you know it's yours? You have taken it by faith. Why? Because you have the confidence and assurance of God. Because you've asked according to his will. So you say, that is now mine. And then it says, and you will have that thing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's explaining again what happened in 22, right? He's explaining this time frame that we're dealing with. Okay, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Now what he's saying is, 23 and 24 won't work without 25. Because the God kind of faith doesn't have offenses mixed in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The God kind of faith doesn't have bitterness mixed in. The God kind of faith is pure. Hallelujah. So he says, whenever you make this stand, you should check yourself. Do you have anything against anyone? Because if you have something against anyone, that mountain will also stay. Isn't that terrible? Well, it's, it's only terrible if we don't get rid of the offense, which may be the root of the mountain. The good news is, sometimes it explains why mountains are not moving. Because we say, you know what, I've got a lot of faith, and I believe God, and I said what he, he has told me to say in my heart, and I believed it, but it didn't work. And Jesus is saying, check yourself. Do you have something against anyone? Why? Because faith works by love. Now, I had never seen this before. I had always just in my mind said, and whenever you pray. But that's not what it says. It says, and whenever you stand praying. Now, the word stand there is not talking about standing like I'm standing. It means to take your stand. It means to persevere, like you've taken your place. In other words, what happens when you have the faith of God and you pray about something is that you say, this, I have taken my stand. Hallelujah. And I've taken my stand and I'm not moving away from this. This is my moment. Hallelujah. In other words, I have spoken to the mountain and I have stood. I've spoken to the mountain and the mountain will move. Hallelujah. I have prayed, I believed, I received and I will have. I have taken my stand between the time that I did it and its fulfillment. I am standing. Hallelujah. I am not shaken. I'm not moving back. I'm not giving in. I have taken my stand. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I think, you know, that, that I've prayed about things or tried to talk to the mountain, but I really wasn't in a position where I've taken my stand. You understand what I'm saying? I gave it a try. Let me give this a whirl. 
And if it doesn't work, then I'll do A, B, C, D. That's not what this is saying. This is saying you understand how it works. You have the faith of God. You've got the confidence of God. And you're saying, I have taken my stand. Hallelujah. And I will not be moved from my stand. And I'm just checking myself. Do I have anything against anyone? I may need to forgive them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because for some of us, we've had things against people for years. And those things are crippling our supernatural life. They're crippling our God-purposed existence. They're crippling our destiny. Because why? If we're going to be the army of God, we have to know how our weapons work. We have to know that this is a weapon. Hallelujah. And we've got to use it properly. Praise the Lord. Now, let's go back. I think it's in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the way before you. You know, Jesus needed preparation. Hallelujah. You know that, that what he said is, I'm going to send a messenger before me who's going to prepare the way, the road, the path for the Lord to come down. Hallelujah. Preparation time is not wasted time. He said, I need to send someone to prepare the way. And, and John's message was simple. It was prepare the way. In other words, he was encouraging people to remove the obstacles so that the Lord could be the Lord in their lives. He was saying, the Messiah is coming and he's come to save. But you've got to make the road straight for him so that he can get to you. You've got to remove the obstacles so that he can touch you and reach you. That was John's message. That was his ministry. That is still our ministry. Is to prepare the way of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, how did John prepare the way? Well, by doing this. But remember one of the other things that he was going to do? He was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he was going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Why was that important? Did the Lord really need relationships mended so that he could touch their lives? Did he really need to open the hearts of fathers to their children? Did he really need the children to open their hearts to their fathers so that he could touch their lives? Are you with me this morning? You know, there are many people in our churches who have offenses either towards their parents or parents towards their children. And the Holy Spirit came to turn those hearts back so that it could prepare a way for the Lord to reach their life. 
Now, some of our children have said and done things that have hurt us. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It has happened. Some of our fathers have abused us or neglected us. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But the Holy Spirit wants to do a preparation ministry in our lives. And it comes from His Spirit. He's wanting to open that path to at least give forgiveness. Hallelujah. Because why? That opens a way for the Lord. Are relationships important to the Lord? Oh, yes, they are. How important are they? He says, and when you pray, you should check relationship. Because if relationships are not right, things are hindered. We're the family of God, right? So what does that mean? As a family, we're not supposed to have issues with each other. We're supposed to love one another. We're not supposed to keep a record of wrongs. But how many of us were very good accountants? We keep very thorough records. He should have done this. He shouldn't have done that. She shouldn't have done this. She shouldn't have said that. That may be keeping your mountain. And there are times when I want that mountain gone. Hallelujah. There are times when my physical body wants some mountains to move. Hallelujah. I don't want to be left without the miraculous God. I want him to look at my life and say, there's no obstacle. I'm going to go right down to Rob. Hallelujah. Why? Because he has prepared the way for me. And one of the ways he's prepared the way is he recognized that relationships matter. And it's a work of the spirit. It's not by having them come and make it right with you. It's you giving it. Hallelujah. I had the opportunity to speak at a rehab center, this time home. Men with addictions. Lovely people who are missing their destiny. And, you know, I, I was led by God to speak on a subject of forgiveness. And, and afterwards, they begin to talk. And the leader said, does any of you have offenses in your life? All of them. Who is their primary offense? Their fathers. So afterwards, I had a chance to sit down with the leaders and I said... You know, with this addiction thing, what's, what's, the, what's the root issue? They said, you know, there's a very small percentage of people who it's actually the drug itself that they love. Very small. But the overwhelming trouble is they have a father issue. Some of them, they wake up with it in the morning. They go to bed with it at night. It's always there. What was done, what shouldn't have been done. And they're, and they're carrying it and it's keeping them from their destiny in God. And I thought to myself, you know, when I go back to Botswana, I know we have father issues. 
I mean, we've got most of our families are broken homes. Most of them have never known their fathers. And so there's all these issues going around. And you know what also is there? There's a tremendous amount of fear of failure because they didn't have a father in their life to tell them that they could accomplish. And that's part of the role of a father. But thank God you and I have a different father. Hallelujah. But even though we have a different father, he still wants us to make it right as much as we can in our heart with our earthly father. Hallelujah. And part of that is just to say, you know what, I've got some issues in my heart and I need to forgive. Because I want my mountains to move. Jesus went to the trouble, I don't know if trouble is the right word. He went to the, the effort of letting us know that relationship affects supernatural life. You know, if you go over to 1 Peter, let's just go there. First Peter chapter 3. He's talking about husbands and wives, right? He says, verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker or more fragile vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers would not be hindered. Again, it's an example of when the relationships are not right, it hinders our prayer life. But thank God, hallelujah, there's another way for us. And we can have different experiences in our life. Praise the Lord. We can have God engraft himself into our lives and change our futures completely. But sometimes in order to graft himself into our lives, he also wants to pull some things out of our life. Now, it's interesting that, you know, when I first, when, when Mary and I had the opportunity to start farming in Botswana, I'm not a farmer. Not, or I wasn't a farmer. Let me say that. I'm now a farmer. But, you know, I was so amazed. You know, we had that land that, you know, had never really been planted before. We, you know, God made a way. We cleared it. And then you got this little pack of seeds. Really so insignificant. And, you, you know, you put it out there in that field. And a few weeks later, I looked out and thought, oh, my Lord. That field has been completely changed. I mean, look at the abundance from this to acres. Hallelujah. And I begin to say to myself, why isn't everyone doing this? You know, that was, that was the revelation I had is like, I took, you know, something up that was so small, didn't hardly cost anything. And I put it out there and look at that. That is miraculous. Hallelujah. You know, that's how it struck me. It was like, the joy of looking at that field. And I thought, why isn't everyone doing this? And then I thought, this is easy. And that right there should tell you that I was not a farmer. 
Because what happened was, the same ground that was able to release the potential of the seed was also the same ground that could release the potential of the weed. And so what happened is, that ground, and with me not understanding how things worked, I went away and said, done, praise the Lord. We'll come back in some weeks, and boy, the harvest is going to be plenteous. Hallelujah. And then I'll just need to line up some laborers. Because the harvest is plenteous, and the laborers are few. But you know, there's more labor needed than reaping the harvest. There's labor needed along the way. And so that same ground that had the potential to release the potential of the seed had also the potential to release the wheat. And you know what happened? The corn grew about six, seven feet tall. And the reeds, the weeds grew about six feet tall. (laughs) And the weeds... They choked out a lot of the potential of the seeds. Now what Jesus says to us when he's sharing the parable of the sower, right? He says, you know, there are some that immediately the devil comes and takes away. In the book of Luke, when it shares the parable of the sower, it says, he takes it away so that we would not believe and be saved. I like that part of the parable because it tells us that the way that people are saved, which means healed, delivered, protected, made whole, is they need the seed. So he comes and he takes that because he knows if you believe it, you'll be saved. Hallelujah. But when it gets down to the weed, he says, now the cares of this life, the desire for other things, the deceitfulness of riches, they come in and they choke out the word. Now, uh, uh, if I had been a good farmer, after I sowed the seed, I would have made sure that the weeds didn't have an opportunity to lay hold. You're hearing me? In other words, after you have the word of God put into your life, you need to look at it and say, you know what? I'm not going to let this be choked out. I'm not going to let the cares and the worries and the anxieties come in and choke this word. I'm going to pull them out. I'm going to move them back. I'm not going to be fooled in chasing the deceitfulness of riches. There are not going to be other things that come into my life. The seed is primary. Hallelujah. Because why? When you planted it as a farmer, that's what you wanted. Right? You said, this is what I want. This determines my future. No seed, no future. Hallelujah. The cares of this life can be a variety of things. Cares of this life can be what other people have done to us. That are wrong. That can become a care to us. A weight to us. A burden to us. Now, what's interesting about weeds is, I found this out, is the best time to take the weeds out is when the soil is moistened. That's when you go for the weed. But if you don't get it when the soil is moistened, guess what? That moistened soil strengthens the weed. 
What am I saying? I'm saying when God speaks to us, and he's trying to uproot some weeds in our lives, and our heart is moistened a little bit, because it was hard. But he's coming and moistened it a little. That's the time to reach for the weed and say, you can't stay here anymore. Because there's some people who will leave a time when God speaks to them and they won't remove the weed. And you know what will happen? It will harden again. And the weed will be that much stronger. Some of you this morning, God is speaking to you. He's saying, I know you're hurt and I know the pain. Rob doesn't know it, but I know it. But I can heal you. And I can make you whole. And I can give you a different future. But I'm reaching for those weeds in your life that are choking out your destiny. Forgive. Forgive. Some of us, we've gotten off course because we started chasing the wrong things in our life. And it's taken us away from our purpose. God is coming to say, let me take the weeds. Hallelujah. And you know what's interesting about weeds is if you cut them off, even at the surface, if you just, if you just do a surface cutting, eventually they won't be able to feed that thing anymore and the weed will die. Say, well, you know, I can't get it off completely. I can't get rid of these things completely. Take a slasher and go for the top then. Get rid of it. Don't let it be fed anymore. Cut off its feeding source. Well, how am I feeding this thing in my life? Sometimes we're feeding it by thinking about it. Sometimes we're feeding it by talking about it. We say, no, mm mm-mm. There was a man in one of our recent meetings. He shared with me some things that went on in his life, some horrible things. And he said, you know what I'm doing? Today's my day. I'm cutting it off. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to let it go. Hallelujah. You have a destiny in God. You have a purpose in God. You were created to experience the supernatural in your life. Hallelujah. So that other people can do what they did with Jesus and say, how did that mountain move? And you don't just say it moved because I spoke to it. You say it moved because I spoke to it and I made sure there wasn't anything under the surface either. I checked myself. Hallelujah. Some of us, I know for myself, we've heard messages of faith and we need to hear them. Hallelujah. But for some of us, it's not the message of faith that's the issue. It's the message of forgiveness. Now for some, it's not the message of forgiveness. It's the message of faith. You know who you are. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, the devil understands your potential. He does. You know, when God said, um, I'm going to bring out my army. You know who would recognize the army 
before chapter 7? Huh? Remember chapter 1? And they will join with our enemies and fight against us. The devil saw the children of Israel as an army too. And he said, I'm going to cripple that army so that they don't ever think about fighting. They're just going to think about surviving. Hallelujah. The devil may have gone after your destiny. He doesn't have to have it. He may have gone after your marriage. He doesn't have to have it. He may have gone after your family. He doesn't have to have it. He may have gone after your peace. He doesn't have to have it. He may have gone after your joy. He doesn't have to have it. Hallelujah. Things can be different. Grace and peace can be multiplied in our lives. So that we look back at our lives and say, I remember where I was. On Labor Day weekend, 2021. And look where I am now. Hallelujah. My life has changed. From lemons to oranges. From darkness to light. From anxiety and fear to peace and joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me end with this. I don't know what time of year normally end, Pastor. I didn't ask. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, really sorry. If any of you come on a missions trip with your pastor's approval, you'll find out we don't preach for a short time in, in Africa. Because <laughs> people travel to get there. <laughs> You're from there. Yeah, you know how it is, huh? Uh-huh. And so... The story is of, of uh, in, in John chapter 11, there's a story of, of Lazarus, right? And Lazarus has died. He's been dead four days. And one of the sisters, they run out when they find Jesus has come to the edge of town. And the sister says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Complete confidence, right? If you had been here, then I'm not wondering about what you'd do. My brother would not have died. If you were here, that's the only question. That's the only thing that matters is if you're here, things would have been different. Hallelujah. She comes back into town. She tells her sister. The sister runs out to Jesus. And you know what she says? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hallelujah. Complete confidence in him, right? So their belief in Jesus is that Jesus, when he, when he was with someone or in an area, he was there to do something. He wasn't just there to take up space. If he was there, he would do Hallelujah. There's a powerful lesson there. You know, sometimes on Sunday mornings in Botswana, people come to church and someone gets up front and they say, Jesus is here. And it means almost nothing to anyone. 
Because to them, having Jesus there doesn't mean much. But to Mary and Martha, it means everything. If you were here, Lazarus would not have died. Well, the good thing is for us, Jesus said, and I'm with you. And I'm with you. Hallelujah. So he can be with us here. Or he can be with us when we go home. He can be with us on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Hallelujah. And if he's there, then we should calibrate ourselves to be like the sisters, which says, if you're here, hallelujah, and you said that you are, then everything's on the table. The impossible has become possible. Praise the Lord. If Jesus is here. If Jesus is here. Can we appropriate his presence in our lives when we need it? Yes, we can. We can say, you're here. Hallelujah. So guess what? My cancer has to disappear. You're here. My diabetes has to go. You're here. My fears and anxieties have to leave. You're here. My obstacles are going to be removed. You're here, Jesus. You're here. You're here. And if you're here, everything changes. For some people, he's not there yet. Some people still need to invite him to be there. But for us, that we have him here. Faith says, I've got you in my life, hallelujah. And I know that you're here. And I'm going to have that kind of faith. I'm going to have God's faith and confidence. And I'm going to speak. And I'm going to receive. And I'm going to stand, hallelujah. And I'm going to receive that which the Lord has for me. Praise God. Pastor John, I think I'm done. Praise God. I know the hour's late. But I want to take a moment to ask you to close your eyes. Because the soil of your heart's been softened right now. And there's some of you here this morning, there are people you need to forgive. And you need to let it go. You need to respond now to what you've heard. Because if you wait till you get home, the enemy's going to come to steal this moment from you. I really feel strongly about this. So I just want you to bow your heads right now. If you're watching online, do the same. And just follow this prayer with me. Say, Father, if there's something, someone that I need to forgive and let go, if there's a hurt, a judgment, an offense 
that I have in my heart that's blocking your working in my life and in my heart. This morning I decide that I choose you over that hurt. I choose your entrance and working in my heart over that pain and over what was done to me. I choose you, Lord, first to give my heart fully to you without weeds, without offenses, without anything. But I need the Holy Spirit's help right now to discern what that may be and who that may be and then to help me to let go. And I give you permission, Lord, to do that work in my heart. And I exercise my will right now to forgive and to let go of that. Now, I can't do this in my strength, but you living in me can do that supernatural work. I forgive them. I let go of the offense. I put it under the blood. I ask you to forgive them. I ask you to be merciful to them and to be merciful to me. Heal my heart towards anybody that I'm holding on to anything about. Yes, Lord, down even the deep recesses, the darkness of places down in our hearts, begin to pull those up that we may let them go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when he's doing this in you, you don't need to go on a witch hunt and wander back in your own mind. He'll, he'll bring, this is supernatural. He'll bring them up. But I believe with all my heart, God is preparing to do something here powerfully, but it's by the Spirit, and he's now preparing the way, as with John the Baptist, to remove those obstacles in our heart that would stop him from being able to flow in us and through us. One last thing I want to do before we're going to dismiss. Actually, two things. If you're watching online or you're here this morning and you've never received Christ, Rob was talking to those primarily who have received Christ into their heart. If you've never opened that door and received him, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door. That's the door of your heart and knock. If you'll open that door and let me and I will come in and live in you and live with you. It's an act of your will. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father into heaven unless they come through this relationship with me. This is not a prayer you just say lightly. It's a commitment you're making to him, and he's made a commitment to you. So it's that you this morning. I want to just lead you in a very simple prayer. You don't need to bow, kneel, just right where you are or here this morning. We're all going to pray this together. Pray this with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever said, everything I've ever done, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, 
I ask you to forgive me. I repent of it. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life as my Savior. And I put my life into your hands to be Lord. Fill me with your Spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that this morning online, there's a number at the call the uh, office tomorrow. That number should be at the bottom of your screen. Call that number tomorrow morning. Someone will answer the phone because we want to send some free material to you. And we tune in next week or better that, be here. If you were here this morning and prayed that, when you leave here, go around to our cafe. Somebody will be there and give you those very same materials. Last thing I want to do is we're receiving a love offering for Rob Grinley for Branch Ministries. If you're doing it by text, go to that same app on your phone. At the bottom, there's a little wheel, and it says you can do guest and put in the amount that you want to give. Or again, you can do an envelope back there, or you can go online or mail it in. You know the ways to do that. Let's pray over that right now, and then I want to pray for Rob and Mary. Father, thank you for the opportunity, for what we've heard this morning, for your speaking to your people whom you love so much. Thank you for sending Rob and Mary to us this morning with the gift of their love and of their presence and with this precious word. Father, now we sow into the ministry that you've called them to. Thank you for giving us an opportunity here in this part of the United States to impact lives in southern Africa, in Botswana, and to affect the lives of children and of a government and all that they're doing down there. Father, we pray for Rob and Mary, for all the affairs of their life, for safe travel, for you continue to take care of them, protect their health, protect their family and watch over them so that they're not pulled and distracted from the things that you call them to do. And we thank you for this. Receive this in what we do by the faith that we do it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may stand with me. Wednesday night, we're continuing to learn how to follow in the steps of the faith of Abraham. We're seeing a man that didn't just do it perfectly, but how God met him.